You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. tells us that God is working in our lives in every single area, every single area, especially the ones you can't see. On the other hand, fear is basically unbelief or weak belief. Remember the beautiful passage about the guy wanting his son healed? And Jesus said, just believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The guy had little faith, and Jesus wanted to help him have great faith. When anything comes up in your life that seems like too much for you to handle, take it to God. Pastor Dave's going to show you today that no matter what you're facing, God can give you the faith you need to stand firm in Him and the strength you need to get through the situation with joy and peace in your heart. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Second Kings 6, beginning in verse 8 to 23. And as you're turning there, I want to take a few minutes because something that the Lord laid upon my heart as we study the Old Testament, I want to take a few minutes to talk about types. Types. In the Old Testament, we have types. And it's very exciting for me to read these elements of Scripture and to see that they use what is called typology. Typology. To put it simple, typology is a special kind of symbolism. A symbol is something that represents something else. We can define a type as a prophetic symbol because all types are representations of something yet in the future as you look through the Old Testament. More specifically, a type in Scripture is a person or a thing in the Old Testament, which foreshadows a person or a thing in the New Testament. There are many examples, and as you go through the Bible, we can go through many, many examples. For example, the tabernacle in the wilderness was a type of the temple that they built. And it's also a type of heaven. Okay, so you see this in Scripture, and there are many, many other types when you hear this word. When we say that someone in Scripture is a type of Jesus Christ... We're saying that that person in the Old Testament behaves in a way that corresponds to Jesus' character or his actions in the New Testament. Okay, it's quite simple. When we say that something is typically of Christ, we're saying that an object or event in the Old Testament can be viewed as a representation of some quality of Jesus. All right? We've been studying Elijah and Elisha. They are both types. They are both types. It's interesting to me that the Lord did not appoint Elijah to confront the enemy armies that invaded Israel. Why didn't he do that? Well, many think it was because Elijah was the original son of thunder. 
I mean, after all, he called fire down on the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. So he was one of the original son of thunder long before James and John. But the Lord didn't call Elijah to do that. Instead, he called a farm boy by the name of Elisha, a quiet man. Some have said that Elisha is the still small voice that followed the wind, followed the hurricane, and followed the fire. Elijah came before Elisha. Elijah then becomes a type of John the Baptist. He becomes a type of John the Baptist. And picture John the Baptist, a voice crying out in the wilderness, who according to Luke 1.17, came in the spirit of Elijah. John was the one who called the Pharisees out. He declared righteousness of God and called everyone into repentance. And after John came Jesus in a still, small voice offering grace and truth. Both Elijah and John the Baptist prepared the way for one who would come after them. In fact, Jesus likened to John the Baptist to Elijah in Matthew 17. He gives this great big thing. He said, I tell you the truth that John, Elijah has already come. And he was talking about John the Baptist, which Matthew makes a footnote in his gospel. So in studying Elisha, we see a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Elijah prepared the way for Elisha. Now look at the similarities between the two, Elisha and Jesus Christ. Both were designated by a prophet. Someone before them said they were coming. Both received the Spirit on the other side of the Jordan. Both were surrounded by more disciples than their predecessors. More people followed Jesus than John. More people followed Elisha than Elijah. They both worked miracles. They both gave light in a land of death. They both cleansed lepers. They both healed the sick, reversed death by raising people. They helped widows in desperate situations. They were kinsmen redeemers from, to save people from slavery. And they fed the hungry. And finally, they both had covetous disciples. Gehazi was Elijah's disciple, and Judas was Jesus' disciple who coveted. So Elisha becomes a type of Christ, because like Jesus, he revealed the character of God to the nation of Israel, to their king, and to the people themselves. So I wanted to explain that because it was on my heart as I was studying here. We want to keep that in mind as we study. And when we look at what is remaining here in verse 8 through 23, we're going to break it down into three different subtitles. The first subtitle is the God who sees and knows. Our God is a God who sees and knows. Let's read 2 Kings 6, verse 8 through 14. Read along silently, please. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with the servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to that place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not once, but twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servant and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. 
And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. In these verses, it's really cool because what we see happening with Elisha is he gets a special anointing from the Lord God. It's a special anointing given by the Holy Spirit. The Syrians are planning a border raid. And the Lord comes to Elisha and says, Hey, Elisha, the Syrians are planning a boarding raid. You need to go and warn the king. So Elisha goes and warns the king, and the king naturally sends somebody to watch out for them so that they know when they're coming. Well, the king of Syria finds out about this, and he gets troubled in his heart. And he says, who's giving our information away? It's almost like, where's the whistleblower? You knew that was coming, didn't you? You knew that was coming. Come on. You guys are getting to know me way too well. Way too well. Where's the whistleblower? Who's saying that? He thought there was a traitor in the gang. He thought that there was a spy. But one of his men boldly speaks up and says, whoa, 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 king, it's not us. It's this Elijah guy, the man of God. In fact, he knows what you say in your bedroom. Whoa, whoa. So what's happening here? Let me try to explain what I see happening here. Elisha is receiving a word of knowledge from the Lord. A word of knowledge. And if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, we see that a word of knowledge is one of the gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. So Elijah is receiving this word of knowledge. And what is the word of knowledge? Well, it's information given to us by the Holy Spirit supernaturally. It's a knowledge of things that we could not know through natural acquisition or study. The Spirit speaks to you about a pertinent thing in someone's life. You go to that person and you speak to that person about this thing and they look at you and go, how did you know that? Well, the word of knowledge. It's a word of knowledge given to you for that specific time. Elisha is exercising that gift here in this scripture. Interesting here now, and I want to point this out too, God is a sovereign God. In fact, the Holy Spirit, when he imparts gifts, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, says the Spirit gives the gifts as he wills. Now, Elisha did not always have the gift of the word of knowledge. How can I say that? Well, remember the Shunammite woman? Remember when her son died and she was coming to see Elisha and it was, she was angry? He didn't know why she was coming. So he sent his servant Gehazi. So what I'm saying is here is the Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills. He may only give you that gift for one time. Just because you had it once doesn't mean you will always have it. The Lord gives those gifts as he wills. So the word of knowledge is being displayed. And another thing that was interesting to me, is that during the time of Elijah and during the time of Elisha, we studied this at great length, the northern kingdom of Israel worshipped Baal. Baal was an idol. Baal was not something alive and real. He was a molded and faked idol. And I love what it says in Psalm 115. And every time I come to this part, I, I just love it. But I'm going to read it to you. In Psalm 115, verses 1 to 8, listen to what the psalmist says. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? 
But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have noses, and they do not smell. Hands that they do not handle. Feet, but they can't walk. Nor do they mutter from their throat. And those who make them are like them. And so is everyone who trusts in him. Wow. So he's coming against this idol. These idols that don't see, that don't hear, that don't speak, that don't walk, they don't handle. And he says the people who make them are just like them. But our God, the one true living God, the Lord God Jehovah sees and knows everything. Our God sees. Our God knows When Moses went to the burning bush, when Moses went to the burning bush and he comes before God in the burning bush and he says, have you not seen the affliction of your people? Have you not heard their cries? And what did God say back? I have seen their afflictions. I have heard their cries from their taskmasters and I know their sorrow. We serve a God who sees. We serve a God who knows. We serve a God who hears. This is a beautiful thing. Scripture tells us that he sees the actions of his people and he knows what's in their heart. Jesus didn't do many things in his hometown of Nazareth because he knew what was in the people's heart. He knew they wouldn't accept him. Our God knows and our God sees and he even knows your thoughts. He even hears what you say in various rooms of your house. So the king of Syria is not real happy about this, that Elisha knows the plans. So he says, well, you know what What we can do? I know what we should do. Let's get rid of him. Let's get him out of here. So he sends this huge army for one guy. He sends this great big army for one man. So in the first verses, we see that our God sees and knows. And now in the next verses, the next part that we're going to look at is our God protects his own. Our God protects his own. Let's look at 15 through 17. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. What a great scene. What a great scene. Now I need to make a note here. This servant, he was leprous because he got covetousness over what Naaman was going to give Elisha. Elisha turned it down and he went behind Elisha's back and he took it. And Elisha called him on it, and God turned him into a leper for he and his entire descendants. So this servant is not Gehazi. Anyhow, he rises up early in the morning, which is a good thing, and he's ready to go, and he walks out of his tent, and he's surrounded by horses and chariots, and he looks around. And when he questions what's going on, he shows how little his faith is. He shows how little his faith is. He says, oh, alas, master, what do we do? What do we do? Before we jump down this guy's throat for lack of faith, before we get real harsh with this guy, many, many times we are faced with situations 
We are faced with difficult circumstances. We are faced with different afflictions. And our faith during those times becomes weak. And we cry out, what am I going to do? So don't be too harsh on this guy. This guy's just crying out through the flesh what we would cry out. We would hope that we would go to the Lord first. But I love Elisha's answer. I absolutely love Elisha's answer. Remember, Elisha is a type of Christ. What does he say? Do not fear. Do not fear. I love this. Why would Elijah say this? Well, first of all, we've talked about this before. Fear is opposite of faith. Fear is opposite of faith. This phrase, do not fear, appears 252 times in Scripture. 252 times it appears in the Scripture. And many times an angel appeared in Scripture, and when he came, he said, do not be afraid. When the angel came to Mary, and when the angel came to Joseph, the first words out of their mouth is, fear not, do not be afraid. When Paul was struggling in Corinth, thought he failed miserably in Athens when he went against the Athenian philosophers, and he was feeling really down on himself, the Lord visited him, and what did he say? Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Have faith. I love that. Why? Because faith and fear cannot exist together. They cannot exist together. Faith in Hebrews 11 is certain of what we don't see. It's an absolute belief that God is constantly working behind the scenes in every area of our lives. Faith tells us that God is working in our lives in every single area, every single area, especially the ones you can't see. On the other hand, fear is basically unbelief or weak belief. Remember the beautiful passage about the guy wanting his son healed? And Jesus said, just believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The guy had little faith, and Jesus wanted to help him have great faith. Unbelief gains the upper hand in our minds, because this is where the battle is. That's why Paul said, be renewed in your mind. Get your mind renewed. Fear takes hold of our emotions. Our deliverance from fear and worry is based only on our faith. Remember, Jesus to the disciples in John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Believe in God, believe also in me. Have faith. And that's what he's saying. It's the opposite of unbelief. The Christian faith is a constant assurance in God because he loves us, who knows our thoughts, and who cares about our deepest needs. God is always on your side. He's always looking out for you. He's not standing up there with a great big wooden spoon waiting for you to mess up so he can whack you upside the head with it. That's not our God. Our God is a loving God. The scripture says God is love. It's not his nature. It's who he is. Our faith continues to grow as we study God's word and we learn his attributes and we learn about his amazing character. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Exactly. That's why we study the Word of God. So our faith will be built up. That's why we're studying this. So our faith will be God. The more we learn about God, the more we see Him moving in our lives and working in our lives, and the stronger our faith grows. And then as we see victory after victory, what are we to do about that? Give Him praise. Thank you, Lord. Give Him praise and lift Him up so others will see how wonderful and gracious He is. And I love Elisha's words here. Look at the faith Elisha has. Those who are with us, are more than those who are against us. I love this. I love this confidence. I really, really do. Man, I wish I had this confidence all the time. 
I wish I had this confidence. Reminds me of 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he is in you than he is in the world. It's the same type of thing. Don't worry about it, my servant. Take heart. Believe. Have faith. Those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And I'm sure the guy's going, what? Got to be looking around like, yo, Elisha, stop sipping the Arabian coffee, man. But Elisha knew what to do, didn't he? What did he do? Ah, he prayed. How about that? What a novel approach. Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed. He knew exactly what to do. And you know what, folks? Oh, how I wish that was my first response. Now, sometimes it is. Sometimes, man, I'm boom, I'm praying. But usually it was for somebody else. When it comes to me, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? It was always my first response to pray. It was always my first response to play instead of an afterthought. Elisha knew that the only thing that his servant saw were the many horses and the chariots that were surrounding him. What did he want his servant to do? He wanted his servant to get his eyes off the problem and on to the Lord. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. He wanted Elisha to have faith and see a God who was stronger and mightier than any armory that could ever be assembled. He wanted the servant to look up and be in awe at what was about to happen and be surrounded by even greater things. If you're in a difficulty and you're having troubles, I'm saying to you right now, brothers and sisters, with all my heart, get your eyes off of the problem, get them off of the circumstance, and look to God. Keep your eyes focused on God. Why did Jesus say, let not your hearts be troubled? You believe in God, believe also in me. When you're looking at the problem, fear's gonna take over your body. Because guess what? We have some major problems out there, folks. There are some problems that look like huge mountains, but to God, they are molehills. They are nothing to be handled by a wonderful living God who cares so much about you, who loves you so much that he will allow his own son to go to a cross for you. And he wants nothing more than to show himself strong on your behalf. So don't let the fear overtake you. Know that God has a control, even regardless of what it looks like. We walk by faith, not by sight. You see the situation? The first thing, oh no. What am I going to do? God's got it under control. God has got everything under control. Everything. Notice Elisha didn't pray for God to take away the situation. He didn't pray, Lord, wipe them out. David would have. <laughs> King David and this David would have said, get rid of them, God. Wipe them out. Change my heart in the midst of the situation, Lord. Let me see you in the midst of this, Lord. Let me see you. Elisha wanted to increase this servant's faith. So he prayed, open his eyes. Open his eyes, Lord. We used to sing, remember, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Why? I want to see you high and lifted up. The Lord answers Elisha's prayer just like that. The young man all of a sudden sees mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. I would have loved to have seen his face. I want to see his face. I want to see what he did when he saw that. Then he go, I can imagine what that must have looked like. Our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. 
But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609 609- 884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope.